Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we are talking about the TV show Loki, episodes 1, 2, and 3, with myself and Paul Hoppy. And we are coming to you live on Twitch TV, so hopefully we'll be taking questions and comments from people in the chat, as well as really getting into everything about this show and this character. You know, just simple little ethical questions like, is it okay to kill people because they don't do what you want? Is it okay to steal lines like that from Paul? Is it okay to, you know, all the stuff about Loki's gender and, and sexuality and redemption arcs? And how do we feel about the one that's happening here in Loki? So we're going to get into a great conversation. All that and more after a commercial break. We have no control over. Welcome back, folks. I'm Matthew, your host. As I said, I'm joined by regular co-host, regular guest, forgive me, uh, Paul Hoppy. Uh, Paul, how are we doing today? We're good, yeah. Things have been going well of late. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm excited to uh, jump into this for two reasons. One is because we're trying to, we're trying to uh, make this Twitch thing semi-regular. The hope is that on a number of Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Central, we will record the episode of Superhero Ethics uh, live on Twitch. So if you're on Twitch, you can always check in. Generally, it'll be at the Ethical Panda, but sometimes we'll hop over to Paul's stream at Zen Madman. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to uh, not be doing it because I'm doing a barbecue with my family. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll try to, you know, some, mostly with Paul, sometimes with other guests, we'll try to make this a pretty regular thing. So keep checking out Twitch. But also I'm excited because I've really been enjoying watching the show Loki. And at first, I admit, I, w- I was thought, you know what? This is a time travel show. I don't like time travel. I don't like the questions it raises. So I'm just going to just watch and not think much about it. And even putting aside the time travel logic things that I have some thoughts on, I'm sure you do as well, I'm finding there's actually, I'm I'm really enjoying the show. I mean, Tom Hiddleston could read the phone book and just be ridiculously charming and interesting to watch. But I'm also really enjoying the show so far. Uh, What about you? What's your kind of your overall thoughts on the show? Eh! Uh, I've... Enjoyed each episode to a different degree. The first episode I think I described as uh, waiting at the DMV, but with good company. Yes, which was funny because literally that day after watching it and seeing you say that, I went to the DMV. That's right, (laughs) that's right. It's pretty hilarious. And I uh, imagine you enjoyed the show more than actually being at the DMV. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I just, I find the concept itself like somewhat painful and just like Mm -hmm. not particularly interesting to me. Um, however, like Loki and, and Mobius, I was about to call him Morpheus, um, kind of, kind of seems sort of related, but felt like, like their conversations were really good. So I Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. And then in the second episode, I actually felt like there were things happening that were of interest to me. Yeah. (laughs) So I enjoyed that more. Um, and that was the one with the, I'll gut you like a fish, right? That line. I think two? that was in episode one, but that might oh, be in that? episode two. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, maybe it was episode one. Anyway, uh, with with Pillboy from which now makes six actors in the MCU who are in uh, Kong Skull Island. But, <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but um, that threw me for a second because Pillboy is not in Kong Skull Island. But yes, no, and now I understood. The, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not the character in, yeah. <laughs> in Kong Skull Island. <laughs> um, that's the character from The Good Place. Yeah. Um, but then also, uh, what was the other thing? Um, oh yeah. And then the last episode also felt enjoyable in terms of like the interaction between Loki Mm -hmm. and Sylvie. But, uh, as far as what was going on, 
well, I'm not convinced that anything that happened really happened after a certain point. And uh, the whole, like, time travel of it all, I'm like, okay. Like, the less I actually <laughs> care about any of that, uh, the yeah. more I'm, I'm just only really interested in the characters, kind of. Yeah. So. I think that makes sense. And, and I can understand episode one not being your thing. Remind me, did you watch Umbrella Academy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I I'm find... kind of medium on that. Okay, way, that might make sense, because... Yeah. One of the things I have found I really enjoy is what I've referred to as kind of like the mundanity of evil or the mundanity mm-hmm. of like fascism, whatever it is. Oh, right, right. And, and part of what I mean is just like seeing bureaucracy at work and that bureaucracy, like, right. and there are times where it's both funny and a little over the top, like in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when uh, Hydra takes over, there's a level of like bureaucracy that's at work to run shield that you're kind of like, but this is not just an office job. I don't think this is how it would work. Right. Right. But, but in a lot of those things like umbrella Academy. And I think like this, I was, I really enjoy the stuff of the T, uh, the TVA because of that kind of like, yeah, like they're doing horrible things as we're realizing. And I think the, you know, the, uh, the TVA, I think are pretty clearly the overall villains. And I, I think you have some thoughts that I've already quoted about that. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of enjoying the sense of uh, just that reminder that, you know, you when you're a middle management cog in the machine, sometimes it's easy to get so swept up in, like, making the machine work that you never stop to ask, like, what is the machine doing? And is that actually something I want to support? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I find that a very interesting question. I just find the mundanity very mundane that's and, fair. like, unpleasant <laughs> to spend time with, basically. But, like, yeah, I think that's, you know, like... I don't know. Being a Nazi was probably pretty boring if you weren't yeah. actively engaged in the war. It's like there's a lot. Every every evil bureaucracy has a lot of bureaucracy in it. And yeah. um, you know, the the thing for me was like after episode one, it seemed like so many people were assuming that like the TVA was like a force for good because like they listened to like Miss Minutes' presentation. And like, oh, okay, I guess <laughs> this is just. I'm like, wait, wait, wait maybe yeah. we should give this some thought and then like you know assuming that the time lords are real or and maybe they are maybe they're not but like we don't have evidence that they are and like assuming that a bunch of things that happened on lamentus actually i don't know happened on lamentus and and that it wasn't um loki getting enchanted but then tricked to think that he wasn't enchanted and i don't know i feel like there are often a lot of assumptions but having said that like seeing as long as they don't all turn out to actually be true, you know, mm-hmm. as long as it's like, no, 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 the TVA really is doing good. It's like, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it and interested to see where it goes. Yeah. No, I definitely think so. And I want to say one more thing about the mundanity thing, the mundanity thing, and then I will uh, get into the um, kind of talk, talk about the TVA itself. I, I, I want to see the multiverse of man- mundanity. That, that would, I, I don't want to see that but <laughs> i can get that, that though yeah it's a good pun one of the things that i think of when i have these conversations granted like like i love that you brought the nazis and that's where i'm going there's this wonderful picture that uh, has been going around as part of a meme and it shows what looks like a bunch of office workers having a company picnic and mm. it's black and white and it looks like they're kind of you know very old timey right. and it's you know it's like five uh i think five or six guys and two women and you know, it just looks like a bunch of people, like, you know, doing the office picnic thing that a lot of offices do, you know, once yeah. in the spring. And then you read the caption and you understand these were the office workers at Auschwitz. Like, these were the people who, 
you know, they weren't the guards, but they were the people who just like, you know, turned the paperwork and yeah. processed things and made things happen. And the, the secretaries who answered the phone calls and, and, you know, told Berlin what was happening and all that. And you're just, it, 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 it was just so striking to realize like you want them to look like monsters. You want them to look like just the most horrible people in the world. But no, to them, they're just office workers. They're just right. going about their day, filing and taking records and all this stuff. And, you know, I think that's obviously a very extreme example, but I think it's kind of exactly what we're talking about here, about the, the way we can way people can get um, stuck and just like, well, this is the office job I'm doing without ever really thinking like, wait, what what is my office doing? And is this actually something? And that can be, you know, am I supporting, you know, Walmart or something like that? And that's not great all the way to obviously the, the true horrors where it's like, how, how can you even be a person doing that? Right. Um, so, so let's actually get into that, though. Um, clearly, you have some thoughts on the TVA, um, and we've kind of been alluding to them a bit. You, know, you, you, you kind of mentioned a few of them, but let, let's go into that more. Um, what's from what we've seen? What's your take on the TVA? I mean, I think they're a horrible, you know, authoritarian organization that engages in genocide, and um, you know, they're essentially time caps who go around murdering tons and tons of people for infractions that the people don't even know they're making and uh it's totally not okay like that's basically it in a nutshell from my my viewpoint yeah i i think that's such a good way to put it and to me especially that part about the infractions like one thing i noticed uh in that first episode where it's that banker who gets you know just disappeared uh, like disintegrated basically you know it's very clear this isn't a person who's intentionally screwing with a timeline this is a person where some entities, um, small aside, by the way, using the phrase space lizards to refer to people who in this conspiratorial way are running the entire universe from behind the scenes, that taps into a whole bunch of anti-Semitic tropes. That, um, yeah. Having the character who's kind of like went to Germany to reassign. There's just like some, <laughs> some bad juju around yeah. that. So Which makes even... me really hope that they don't exist. Because yes. then it's like almost like turning that around, you know. That because yeah, if some point he's like, oh, the space lizards are aren't real. Like, They're not real. There's chaos. really not really any space lizards in charge of everything. <laughs> like, please great... give give us that if you're gonna say yeah. space lizards. That'd be a great payoff. But in some ways, like I I hate what they're doing, and I think you're right that they're total villains. But I'm actually in that is actually making the time travel part of this. It's making me like it a lot more because. Mm. One of the things that I've often brought up is that for me, one of the problems I often have with time travel is that when you say that there is like a proper timeline and that like bad things will happen if you do what like isn't supposed to happen on the timeline. Right. Often that's talked about as though it's just this objective like law of gravity type thing, like a fact of life. Yeah. Which to me makes no logical sense because at some point there does seem to be some entity having to decide, like, you know, this person should have the Tesseract and this person shouldn't. You know, Loki doing this is okay, but not doing that isn't okay. And I've always felt like I I would much rather have stories where those entities are real and Mm. either they're truly benevolent or they're much more likely completely out for their own good. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm really enjoying that we're getting a story where, like, uh, and you're right. I was kind of surprised at first when everybody thought they were so benevolent, and I'm glad that the show is very quickly being like, "Yeah, yeah Miss Minutes is kind of cute and fun, but right. reliable narrator, not so much." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harley Quinn is kind of cute and fun, but like kills a lot of people. 
Yeah. Same voice actress, by the way. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's an odd connection, but okay, that's yeah, terrible. Awesome. <laughs> I like that. And, and I let me ask you. Let me think about this. I think one of the other thing about the TVA that I, that I'm coming to is, I, I kind of made a joke about this, but to me. At this point in time, I feel like the TVA are fundamentally unreliable narrators to the extent of, I don't think there's anything about the TVA that, that we can believe. Right. Uh, also, I just saw that a whole bunch of uh, Stranded Panda folks just came in. So welcome. Thanks so much. We are talking about Loki, talking about ethical questions of Loki. So as always, feel free to jump in with feedback, questions, you know, uh, troll us, you know, whatever you got going on. I so, feel like a raiding party while discussing this <laughs> North mythological character is very yes, appropriate. Yes, yes. Vikings, Vikings raid. Uh, so yeah, so Paul, for you, with the how much, like, obviously they're evil and fascist. Right. How much of what the TVA is saying about all that they've been doing, do you believe? I mean, none. I don't take their word for anything, you sure. know. Um, and the same with Sylvie. Like, all these people, like, when Sylvie was like, oh, you know, these are, these people weren't created by, you know, the timekeepers or by the TVA. They were humans that, you know, they were variants basically that got plucked. And I think that's probably true, mm-hmm. but like, I'm not going to just take her word for it. Right. Yeah. We're going to need further confirmation of that as well. But yeah, I mean, I'm not convinced that the timekeepers really exist in the form that they supposedly do. I think it's very possible that some of the characters we've already seen are actually essentially them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I'm definitely just not taking their word for anything. Um, and yeah. I've seen some people say things like, oh, but what, you know, they're like these more like godlike figures or whatever that, and they, they really know what's going on. Their knowledge and wisdom is beyond human ken or, or whatever. And like, no thanks, you know, yeah. <laughs> like they're genociding civilization after civilization. And like, <laughs> it, you know, they think they know what's right for reality. Like whatever, they, I, they can fuck right off with that. You know, if they're in charge of this reality, too, like, and I think they're more likely to be a force for malice than one in benevolence. I mean, just, like, look around. Like, things aren't the best. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of the problem you get any time you introduce this idea. And this is, like, a theological problem, but also a problem with these kind of stories. Once you get, okay, there is some force that is in control of everything and has decided that this is what history should happen... I mean, then you're like, okay, so the Holocaust, like, why? Right. Colonialism, or or even just like, you know, like, my brother's cancer, like, why did that have to happen, you know? And so, yeah, I I really like this idea of them being definitely malevolent, or or not even like, this is like the third time where I've talked to the difference between like being immoral versus amoral. Right, right. It may be that that they're just kind of just out for themselves, or just Mm -hmm. out for their own power, but I think I, like, all the conversation that we've seen about, well, but like, so... Here's the reason why the Steve Rogers going back in time was okay, or like the, what the Avengers did was okay. Right. I'm fairly. There's a, when I was learning how to be a dungeon master, there was a couple of articles I read, and one one um article that I read that I think has a lot of truth to it for running D and D games, though you can take it too far. It was basically like, make sure the players know that everything is happening as you planned it. And, like, if they go into, uh, you know, if you set everything up and all of a sudden they want to just, like, walk along the river instead of crossing the bridge to the town, well, of course, you had this whole plan for, even though you're pulling it out of your ass as fast as you possibly can. Um, You know, but you have this plan, of course. That's kind of what I feel about the TVA right now. Like, they're trying to keep this idea of the proper timeline. 
But to me, the idea that they foresaw everything that was going to happen with the Avengers and Endgame, right. it just makes no sense. It makes mm. the time stone meaningless. It makes so much not make sense. To me, the way that makes sense is that the TVA were like, did you plan that? Did you? No, no, yeah, that was exactly how he planned. Yep, yep. Oh, wait, what the hell is Steve doing that? Nope, nope, that's exactly how he planned. That's the proper timeline. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, that makes sense to me. Um, it, the less they have their shit together, kind of the more I like it. Yeah. I guess, <laughs> you know, true. um, because I think the idea, like we're using, you know, I said like malice or malevolent and like, it doesn't have to be that it can just be incompetence yeah. and indifference and like, you know, things are subjective, you yeah. know, some people might think one horrible tragedy was just a tragedy and some people might think well but look at what good came out of it and then some people might say yeah but look what else bad came out of it yeah. i mean aside from like the tragedy itself and it's like you know not like just talking about the holocaust but i mean using all right i guess we're just like using I mean, the I can holocaust give, I can as give an a, example I, I can give a much smaller example if you don't want to do the holocaust thing it's too late it's too okay, late go ahead. <laughs> i'm already i've already got one foot in i mean i i have a friend who's used it as an example of like but we got israel you know, right. kind of like as a result. And it's like, okay, I guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not gonna, gonna really, um, uh, weigh in on that one too much, but like things have consequences, right? Good yeah. things have consequences. Bad things have consequences. Bad things can have good and bad consequences and good things can have bad and good consequences. And all of it is to some extent subjective. And so having some people who think, oh, this is the way it should be. And like, I don't know, like, they're just, they, yeah, I don't know. I like, I like the idea of fallibility maybe more than just sheer malevolence. It yeah, feels a definitely. little more credible in some ways, you know? I've yeah. seen people say, like, what if it's just Kang who's just trying to, like, eat all the worlds or something? I'm like, <laughs> okay, right. it could be, but, like, that seems kind of, kind of boring to me. Yeah. But it could oh. be. Uh, and by the way, for those in the chat, uh, as always, please throw in questions, feedback, Stuff you want us to talk about, if you totally disagree with us or agree with us, just throw it right up in the chat and we'll get to it as we go along. I, I, it, one one chatter has the, the screen name Livin' La Vida Loki, which oh, I just yeah. had to acknowledge. That's and, a good one. That's a good one. Um, By the way, also, all those uh, raiders came to us from the Stranded Panda TV Twitch stream. Uh, they're doing all kinds of great stuff about Loki. Um, every, like, uh, Tuesday morning, uh, Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, uh, right after the episode airs. Uh, so I think at like 2.30 p.m. or uh, uh, 2.30 a.m., uh, uh, they're streaming about it. They're also doing a stream uh, then later on Monday nights and also on uh, – later on Wednesday nights and then also on Monday nights. So uh, I'll definitely throw up their full schedule in the show notes. Definitely check them out. That's another great stream. We're focusing on the ethical issues. They just go into how great the show is, which includes, um, you know – Talk about the the acting, the the dialogue, the the sets, and the the great effects. Um, there will always be some hilarious comments from uh, Ashley about the uh, gorgeousness of Tom Hiddleston in any of the wacky outfits they put him in. It's definitely worth checking out. It, but back, so back to this discussion, it, I'm definitely with you there, and that, and that's kind of what I mean about the amoral versus immoral. Like I think on some level, I would be disappointed if they did have this like great plan and the whole purpose of this was to restart a time war or, you know, allow Kang to eat worlds or bring back the Daleks or whatever the heck it's going to be. Right. 
I much more like it as a bunch of ESA, just like doddering idiots who, you know, who like they think they're in control and they think they they on some level are. I mean, I always say I want the villain who thinks they're the hero. And here it's, it's even more that it's because, it, it, you know, sometimes just mu- it's fun to watch someone twirl a mustache. And as I've been reminded, some people really do in real life that that can happen. But I think more than anything, what I want is to see people who do genuinely believe that they're helping, but they fall into that trap of anything that sh- they, they're so, you know, they think that they're doing the right thing, but they've stopped asking if they're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. which is like mm-hmm. to me flaw number one. But then secondly, because they're so convinced they're doing the right thing, they think that anyone trying to stop them or interfering, ha- like that they must be bad, you know? And and this is something I think we see all the time that like people who think they're doing the right thing, you just get into this mindset of anyone, like you don't want to question yourself and anyone getting in my way, they must be wrong and they have to be stopped. I, I agree in terms of, it would be nice to see kind of, I mean, the thing is like, okay, if you think there's one timeline that is correct and you've deemed sacred, then is there more questioning to be done, right? There's, I think there's an idea of omniscience there. And they're like, they decided they're just going to prune all the other divergences, which I don't even totally understand how if, like, if Loki diverges in 2012, mm-hmm. if they prune him murder him or you know take him into their institution then there's no loki in 2012 right like what what are thor like who's thor taking back to asgard now we're getting into the aren't they like where's the tesseract so (laughs) so at some point i just feel like it it kind of just falls apart but like we can we can kind of just leave that but the idea being like if they have decided this is everything that should happen in all of existence and we want to preserve this, then it kind of makes sense that they stop asking why. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, why are there new variants like throughout the timeline? It Yeah. All right. I'm going to stop. Now now, (laughs) now we're into the logic of time travel, which is, I think uh, an area where um, angels fear to tread. These pandas fear to tread. As I said, go over to the, um, Stranded Panda TV or the MCU cast, they're doing great episodes on it. And you can hear some fairly hilarious, if at times more impassioned than logical, uh, debates from both sides <laughs> uh, uh, on this topic. Uh, and certainly, uh, uh, Matt or Jeff, if you're in, in this chat right now, feel free to jump in with that. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of on the same page there. And I think that's one of the stories that I'm... Uh, yeah, uh, we got a, a comment from the chat. They really are doing great episodes comments by matt but anyway uh <laughs> but they totally are i am really enjoying them i i think this is kind of where i, I really want things to go i am i don't know what they're gonna do with the tva exactly i think there's a lot of things up in the air but i i want you know because one thing i think that is always interesting is when you know, right now I'm reading the Mistborn books. Uh, actually, I don't want to spoil this at all. But okay. a, a common story that you often get is where a person is, like, holding on to the chaos and holding back the chaos, but doing awful, terrible things while they're doing it. And so you get rid of them, which is great, but also now the person who's holding back the chaos is gone. And I think that's kind of where I'm hoping the story goes, is that we kind of learn, like, they're terrible. They're completely fallible. They're lying through their teeth. They're doing everything wrong. 
but they do have at least some tenuous hold on things. Mm-hmm. And when they're gotten rid of, like now more all hell breaks loose and it's, you know, just all sorts of madness and even multitude of madness, for example. Just a pull. You know, like I think I think it's pretty clear this Loki is going to lead us into the the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. And I think that would be a fun way to do it is the TVA are terrible. We have to get rid of them. But once we get rid of them, well, okay, now we got a whole new set of problems. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I feel like that is where it's going to go. On some level, it feels like it sort of validates them, which uh-huh. I don't want. Uh, but yeah. on the other hand, you know, somebody can say, okay, this is a thing that needs to be done, but then they can do it in a totally awful way. And maybe right. there was another way that somebody could go about it and they didn't choose to find that you know the third way or whatever yeah exactly i think it's a really good point uh anything else we want to talk about on the uh the topic of the tva specifically uh just when you were mentioning the banker or whatever like Uh what did they do or whatever i mean you know they chose to be a banker which is part of a bureaucracy that is part of okay that's (laughs) (laughs) not that that they should get you know i think that's kind of a perfect example though of what i meant Um, yeah like when you think about um, you know, one of my uh, a really great movie that I love is uh, The Big Short, which is all about you know the people who created the the housing crisis of uh, two thousand eight and just yeah. I mean destroyed the economy and really did a lot of harm to a lot of people and there was no one like nefariously like rubbing their hands and like ha let's you know take all this down. It was people who were just sort of caught up in like okay well if I move money from this pile to this pile I'm gonna make a bunch of money. And never being able to kind of step back and look and be like, oh, like this mundane stuff that I'm doing is actually causing incredible harm for people who I'm not paying attention to. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of what I want from the TVA is not, you know, we're going to eat all the worlds, but just we think we're, we're, we're trying to just make the, you know, push the papers from one file to another and not thinking about, yeah, we're genociding entire civilizations every time we do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Stranded Panda uh, TV also chimes in that taking them down will lead to a lot of un- unintentional consequences for sure. So yeah, I think that'll no be a, uh, a fun story, you know, because that's it's something actually Paul and I last week recorded an episode about. But probably yeah, won't come yeah, out we'll till next week. All about it's on so, my Twitch though right now. You can you yeah. can actually watch the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lot Man. of fun. But it's all about this question of like, okay, the Emperor's been taken down. What happens next? Voldemort's been taken down. What happens next? Because I think there's. There's an interesting story there of okay we've we've destroyed the authority, but now you got to put something else in place and how do you yeah. do that? Yeah, the the Earth Queen has been suffocated by the glory of uh, oh, Airbending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a, a lot of great. That's uh, Avatar: Last Airbender uh, or, or Korra, Korra. This the continuing Avatar: Avatar The Legend of Korra. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. So let's get into the second topic that I wanted to, to chat about. Um, which is Loki's sexuality and his gender. Uh, because I had a lot of mixed feelings about it. But, the, mm. I mean, to me, there was something pretty phenomenal that happened in this episode that we just saw. Which is a main character, like, uh, you know, literally, like, his name is the title of the show. Yeah. Canonically came out as queer, as yeah. bisexual. Um, what's kind of your take on how, how that has been handled so far? Uh, I think it's great. Yeah. You know, to actually have representation in the form of a main character in, you know, in a Marvel show, right? It's right. not a movie, but it's a show. Um, and the fact that it's in Loki's show, as opposed to, like, 
in Ragnarok or something, I think mm-hmm. also maybe makes it a little more significant. Yeah. The fact that it's during Pride Month, um, yeah. I think also, you know, uh, fits in well. I do think, having said that, like, it's 2021, yeah. and having one sentence to, like, have, you know, a lead character acknowledge their queerness, like, in, after 23 films, three TV series... Like, and seeing a bunch of other Disney things that also have this sort of like, oh, but we kind of have representation. It feels like, you know, they should be doing more. It's better than not doing it for sure. But like, it feels like, I've watched, you know, a recent Disney film and a recent Pixar film, and they both have some subtext that I think is really obvious, but like they don't have actual queer, queer relationships in them. Right. You know, and I mean, I'm not one to be like, oh, put a romance in this, put a romance in this. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like not super into that. Like almost one of the very few romances I like is like The Princess Bride. Right. Yeah. But like there's very few where that's going to be a very few movies where that's a central part that I really care about that much. But like it is a central part of a lot of stories. And it's like at some point, you know, and maybe that'll be episode four or five or six. Who knows? You know, having an actual queer relationship in some major piece of, you know, Disney film or TV, it feels like that's not too much to expect. Yeah. You know, I think that really captures the kind of the, the kind of what I was saying about the mixed feelings of it. Like yeah. it, it was an incredible moment. I love that it happened during Pride. One thing I'm not sure about and if anyone in the audience or even Paul, if you know, uh, please chime in at some later point. I know that the whole Marvel calendar got reshuffled. I don't know if the original mm-hmm. plan was to do Loki during June, you know, Pride Month. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be kind of brilliant if it was. It's kind of even better, like, perfect for, um, you know, if it didn't. Um, and I feel like, to me, there's kind of two sides that I have. And actually, we recently put up an episode on superhero ethics about the need for queer representation. And one thing I talked about there a lot is that we kind of want both kind of stories. We want the story where, yes, the, the the two characters of the same gender kiss on screen, and it's clearly a thing, where a character has a coming out moment, where a character has a, you know, where that's a part of their struggle, you know? Um, I'd love to see a show that, I don't want this to be kind of the defining thing, but the way, like, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier brought race really to the forefront and racism to the forefront. I'd love to see some kind of Marvel property deal with homophobia and transphobia and all that kind of stuff in a similar way. Though I mean, the issues are very different. I'm not trying to equate the two. On the same time, though, I do think the kind of subtle story where it's just like, oh, yeah, the character's queer, you know, move on, is a good kind of a story. And and so I think, and I think for this so far, it is perfect. But you're right. I want more. Like, I want, yeah. I don't just want the subtle thing. Because then it's like, well, you know, you're doing it just so we don't have to screenshot Tom Hiddleston kissing a man and then right. have, you know, Christian Wright go crazy or something. Right. The one thing that I especially I really did love is because it felt so perfect for Loki. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's getting talked about a lot uh, in kind of queer circles in, in last couple of generations, you know, it, when I was growing up, the coming out story was a very important thing. You know, like when was the moment you come out? When was the moment that you realize to yourself when was the moment you told your friends when was the moment you told your family and that's a very like that was a very important part of a narrative and so often you know wanting to see a queer character on screen that's the story you'd want right 
one of the things that's happening a lot now with kind of younger millennials and especially Gen Z is because these attitudes, like one of the things that's essential to that coming out narrative is the idea that being heterosexual is so assumed that you have to declare that you're not. Being cisgendered is so assumed that you have to declare that you're not. Right. And I kind of love that, at least in some circles of Gen Z, that's changing to the point where it's like, wait, why would it come out? People just are queer. Like, the yeah. straightness isn't assumed. Cisgender isn't assumed in the same way. And for Loki, that does feel so perfect to Loki. Like, this whole idea of, um, you know, uh, for Loki, it just being like, of course, why would this not be a big thing? That right. did feel so perfect to the character. And, and from what I understand, also very true to the character, both in comic books and in Norse mythology. Yeah, like, this wasn't a big coming out moment for Loki. It was an offhanded comment, mm-hmm. which which felt appropriate to the character, right, and appropriate to the situation. And I I, I can appreciate that, that kind of distinction, right? Yeah. And it's sort of, to me, it's like, yeah, well, you should have both, right? Yeah. And to me, you should have representation like this in, like, basically every piece of media that has a substantial number of characters. Sure, if you've got three characters, four characters... Like, whatever. You're not always going to have someone who represents any given group, right? Right. But if you're writing a piece of fiction that has 10 characters, 20 characters, 100 characters, you know, there's there's no excuse for just having all the characters, I mean, unless it's some particular setting that's really specific, that, you know, not having that that level of representation. And so I think if you had some other thing where you'd had, you know like a big like on screen on screen on screen <laughs> like yeah. um queer relationship and then you have this this like adds more to it kind of like fills out representation in a way yeah. you know like like for me like avatar the last airbender is like one of the very few um shows that like has a vegetarian main character mm-hmm. and like that means something to me but right. like having if there were more characters like that, and even just the existence of that makes like having just like a side character happen to be anecdotally vegetarian kind of like mean more to me than if like, that's the only um, representation I ever see. Yeah. I mean, again, like using again, the Falcon winter soldier example, like I think it would be awful if every time a black character was the star, the plot had to be about racism. Like that's tokenism in the worst kind of way. And the same kind of theory, like I don't want always the coming out story. I yeah. want the Loki casualness, mm-hmm. but also let's please have some people of the same gender kissing on screen. You know, let's right. have that be, and not just the background shot in Star Wars. Right, in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Rise of Skywalker was one of the <laughs> Disney things that I saw this month that I was like, okay, well, you've got that level of representation, but not, right. you know. Exactly. Uh, two comments from the chat quickly. Um, Abby writes in, first, I'd be here for a Sylvie, uh, uh, Sylvie Loki Mobius love triangle. I think you mean like all three of them together as a truffle of some kind, although I hate that word because wow, I can't I stand I love triangles, but like right. maybe that is what you want, but it would be great. Yeah. The, the, you know, have More of a love and... triforce. Is that, I don't know. Okay. That's a possibility. That's a possibility to triad. You know, I'm just here to make up words. Um, there you go. I mean, I mean that's I'm all, all that's words. happening here. But then Abby actually makes another comment that I'm curious your thoughts on, because I think it's, it's something I hadn't thought of directly, but it's a really good point. Abby wrote, on the TV shows addressing race, feminism, and now hopefully some queer issues, they're missing intersectionality a lot. Mm. Falcon and Winter Soldier was pretty bad on female representation. Wanda was iffy on people of color representation. Neither had queer representation. I'd really like to see all at once. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty good point. You know, I mean, I I think there's they could have been worse, right? Like mm-hmm. like Wanda had some people of color representation, right? I mean, right. I think um, like Monica and and Wu go mm-hmm. maybe not a long way, but some way, right? Um, especially as like some of my favorite characters in the show also true, uh, yeah. probably stuck out more to me than maybe they did to to others. Um, and I, you know, I did think that, um, you know, Carly and, um, I'm uh, Sharon Carter, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, um, and, uh, Sam's sister, Sarah, like yeah. were relevant characters, not even, and, and the Dora Milaje as well. So right. I would, I would say they definitely could have been better in those regards, but I feel like they're ahead of where things were like five, ten years ago. Yeah. But like, obviously, um, you know, point well taken. And, and I think there's there's still a lot of work to do and a lot of room for much more improvement, yeah. which hopefully we'll we'll see. I, I think that makes sense. I, for me, part of what the statement uh, that that comment makes me think of is that it's not just about like the number of people on screen, although that is a huge issue. Mm-hmm. It's that. Like, I love Marvel being so upfront about, like, we are going to talk about racism in the show. Like, we are going to... But that there is an extent to which, like, you know, the real world isn't, okay, this person's dealing with issues of racism and nothing else matters. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah. I hope we're we're moving to a point where, like, you know, yeah, thoughts about race and gender and sexuality and immigrant status and class, you know, that all these things are playing in because all of our lives are the intersections of all these kind of things happening. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the last comment I wanted to make on this, and then we can move on to the kind of third big thing in terms of uh, villain arcs. And this is kind of a, to me, this I'm not going to use this as a critique of the show because uh, this is about something that we don't know what they're going to do by the end. But I do want to kind of sort of just, you know, give my opinion. I, I can't make a declarative statement on this. I am myself transgender, uh, non-binary, but I'm not claiming that I know, like, know the official voice on this. Although what I'm about to say is something a number of other people have commented on. They've said that uh, not only Loki's sexuality, but his gender fluidity is going to be a topic that the show addresses. And um, we've seen, like, you know, on the the dossier about him, like, it lists, like, sex fluid. And so I'm excited to see where that goes. I think it's important to understand that what they've done so far is an interesting idea of what would Loki be like if Loki had lived their entire life as a woman in, like, this variant Maybe. Well, may, yeah, that, that's what I'm going to get to. Like, but that's okay. what we know yeah. so far. Yeah, yeah. But that alone of having a... the sa- a Characters had all the same experiences but lived their life as a different gender, that's not transgender representation. Uh, it's not a bad thing, and I'm certainly very right. open to them bringing it in later. But I think I think cause a lot of people have said, like, oh, that's awesome, that's what they're doing. Like, to me, that's two different characters. To have yeah. a representation of gender fluidity... What that is about is a character who, at some point over their life, have, you know, either their gender presentation has changed, or they were assigned one gender at birth, but they've come to realize they are another gender, or they're just enjoying kind of being masculine for this period of time, and then something else, and something totally outside the binary, whatever it is. And you're right, we still may get it. We may find out that Sylvie, like everyone thought, was male, and lived for 10 years and now Loki is their dead name because they've transitioned. Like that'd be a fantastic story. Um, oh. You do an also There's all sorts of ways it could happen. And I, I've seen some people being like, Oh God, the show is doing terrible stuff about trans. I think there's no way for us to say that, but I, and I'm so glad they put the bisexuality front and center that kind of like 
to throw trans stuff in this episode might have overshot overskeered that. Yeah. But I do feel like it, it is, now that they've said they're going to address it, I do hope they address it. And that it's, to me, if their version of addressing it is just, we have a Loki that spent their entire life as a woman, that's an interesting play on gender. That's not transgender representation. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, I mean, that's two different people, right? right. One, one Loki who diverged from the timeline in 2012 and, and another Loki who doesn't go by Loki, who when I said maybe, I mean like maybe was never even Loki, yeah. right? Like might just be a totally different character, Enchantress, who like yeah, I mean, it has nothing to do with Loki and just for some reason the TVA thinks is Loki. I don't know. Like there's a lot of, I do like the idea that maybe Sylvie was born Loki and, and you know, assigned male at birth right and right. then was like no i'm i'm sylvie and and that would really um explain the like don't you know don't call me that i mean yeah. there's any reason of any number of reasons to not want to go by if that's um, sylvie's dead name then yeah that would totally make sense yeah so i, I really like that possibility yeah. um you know i mean also the 2012 loki might be more gender fluid than we see so far right right i mean we've seen that loki well, it was later, right? But take the form of a lot of different people. Right. Um, although maybe that was more illusion and like, does that, is that different? I don't know. I mean, I feel like if you're a shapeshifter, you're not necessarily actually gender fluid, <laughs> but like you certainly can be. Yeah. Right? Um, and you can be gender fluid or drag, you know, it can be either way. <laughs> sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so that, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there right. and, and I, I, you're, you know, I, I see your point about, like, that's not just having the same character, but actually two different characters, and one's male and one's female. Right. Like, that doesn't, that's not really trans representation. Exactly. So, we'll see. I think it's got an important point to name. Yeah. So, let's get into the thing that actually I was the most interested to talk about today, because it's one that you and I have gone back to a number of times, because it's a topic <laughs> I think we both have a lot of strong feelings about, yeah. and really love, which is this idea of the... um the the uh the which is this idea of the redemption arc um let's kind of just start in general what's overall your feelings about redemption arcs and villains getting to shift into heroic ro roles right so um i was going to start by saying i don't believe in redemption mm -hmm. in quotes and then go on a whole tirade which i have like three bullet points that are each full paragraphs but i actually just wanted to turn it around and ask what do you mean when you say redemption, because I feel like we're not always talking about exactly the same things That's fair. when we're talking about redemption. So I, I'd like to hear kind of how, how you see the idea of redemption. Like, what does that mean to you? Sure. And, and I think it is, it is for me based in my kind of real life understanding of these things. And it's that I think there's a culture in our own world, but also a lot in fiction of person does terrible thing, person does terrible thing person says oh i did terrible things i'm sorry and everyone's like oh okay you, you're sorry now everything is forgiven mm -hmm. and you know there's a lot of different ideas of justice and uh retribute uh ret retributive justice is i think you know completely awful that's the idea of this person has done a bad thing and now they need to suffer now they need to be put to death or physically punished as it was you know, I'm put to death still today, but physically punished maybe a little bit in the past. Today it might be like locked up and in some like unpleasant circumstances for right. the purpose of punishing them. All that I think is utter garbage. 
But I think of the same element, and not even like in terms of like prison system, but just in terms of personal stuff. I think there's a problem with telling stories about people who just, you know, oops, I'm sorry. I've done one good thing. Can everything be forgiven? Everything be forgotten? And one of the reasons why I so enjoy stories like Zuko in Avatar The Last Airbender or Katra in Shira, those to me are examples of what I mean by a... Um, God, now I can't word the... Retributive art? No. Um, restor- Restorative? Restor- no, what's the actual word that we were throwing around so much at the beginning? Um, redemption. Redemption. You know, to me, those are examples of... Those, are, I think, are the absolute best gold standard redemption arcs. Yeah. Um, to me, that that's kind of the gold standard. To me, because there what happens is the characters, over time, come to realize what they've done wrong and really make a commitment to... Not just saying I'm sorry, but to recognizing the harm that they've caused and to wanting to put things right. Um, Bucky, I think, is definitely was was in that journey uh, in terms, which I think, as you've well pointed out, gets into a lot of questions of like, do you need redemption for what you did when you're being brainwashed? I don't really think so. But he he like there's a whole complexity there. Yeah, maybe emotionally he does. Yeah, if it would be unreasonable for anybody to ask it of him. Right. He knows that when people look at him, like, they're going to remember that. And so they want that that catharsis. On the flip side to me is Kylo Ren in um, uh, Rise of Skywalker, where the character is a genocidal, like, fascist for two and a half movies. And then, like, comes to understand he did something wrong and then makes, like, a very concerted effort to make things right and dies while doing that. Very much like Anakin slash Darth Vader. To me, both of those are, okay, the person came to understand their problems, made made a change, and that's important. But to me, like, that one last act doesn't necessarily, like, forgive and, like, make okay all the things that went in the past. Um, I don't think they're bad, necessarily. I, I let me actually, I think, hmm. Because you've actually pushed me a bit on this, and I think my, my views have changed a little bit. I would say that those two are... Those are good redemption stories because, like, they don't get their arc because they die doing it, but at least they're, like, starting on that path. To me, if Kylo had lived and him and Rey had walked off into the sunset together and everything was great and wonderful and he was totally forgiven because he'd, you know, realized he did it wrong because his mother talked to him and his dad talked to him and now everything was fine, th- that's when I'm like, this doesn't feel earned. Um and I think that's why for so I guess that that's a very long answer, but that's kind of my answer to what what does it mean to me? Okay, yeah, so um I think the 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 Kylo and um Anakin, I guess Ben and Anakin, if we're talking mm-hmm. about you know who they are at the end, uh, you know it it's one of these tropes that I, I really don't like, and I see how it kind of sidesteps a trope that. You don't like, and I, I agree that what you're talking about, where a character does something horrible, a character does something horrible, a character does something horrible, then they do one good thing, and everyone's like, oh, okay, we're good. Right. It's like that, aside from being, like, maybe not setting up the healthiest dynamic, <laughs> where, like, you know, maybe somebody abuses you, they abuse you, they abuse you, they say they're sorry, and they buy you an ice cream cone, and it's like, is everything fine? Everything's not fine. And honestly, it's because of the way it supports that dynamic exactly that I, that I have such strong feelings about this. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that. And I think I think you're right. I totally agree with that. Um, I think that's both problematic 
And on some level, I mean, I was going to say not believable, but I guess that happens a lot in life. And so maybe it is believable, but it's maybe it would be nice to see something like that, that then things go bad again. And then it's like, oh, this this isn't so great. But maybe we don't want to see that because like that's a shitty thing that people suffer through way too much in life. I don't know. That's a whole different type of story. Right. Um, I think what happens with Anakin and Ben that is a trope that I'm not terribly fond of is somebody does a lot of horrible things and then they do this one, you know, act that could be seen as an act of redemption. And often it like saves the galaxy yeah. or something, <laughs> right? It's some heroic sacrifice or whatever. And then they have to die. Yeah. Like, that's also and that, not great. Yeah, and I'm just like, well, I've seen that enough times, too. Um, I I do think Zuko's arc in The Last Airbender and Catra's arc in She-Ra are... um, They put the work in, you know, and it does feel earned, you know. And so I think in terms of, you know, I'm with you on um, retributive justice. And I'm not quite in terms of restorative justice in that I don't really like the word justice because... Um, it implies a certain kind of like moral balance that I don't really believe in, Mm -hmm. but I like the idea behind it, right? Like, I like the idea that people do stuff that is harmful, right? And, and like good and bad are, they can be very subjective, right? Um, like people take actions and actions have consequences. And some of those consequences are like good to some people and some are bad, um, and like that would be my subjective view of those things but then everybody can have a subjective view of the actions and the consequences but like there there is like harm isn't always necessarily going to be so subjective you right. know like you murder someone like they're dead you have physically harmed them you know and i don't think there's like an amount of good that a person needs to do to overcome like the bad they've done i don't think there's right. this kind of like moral balance there but I do think when somebody engages in actions that cause a lot of harm and then comes to recognize the harm they've done Mm -hmm. or wants to stop doing that, I do think that there is real value in being like, you know, maybe not what can I do to make it right because a lot of harm is irreversible, Mm -hmm. right? And there might not be something to do to make it right, but like, what can I do that will be positive and have positive effects and maybe positive effects for some of the people negatively impacted by my previous actions. And so I'm, I'm with you in terms of like a, if we're going to call something a redemption arc, having it feel more earned and having there be um, more, more substance to it really, as opposed to just like one good thing, like, you know, we could say like the end of WandaVision, right? Like spoilers for WandaVision. Uh, I imagine if you're listening to this, you've seen it, but like, it doesn't feel like she's... Does it feel to you like she earned, like, redemption? No, and I'll say... And that lets us also talk back to Loki, because my biggest problem with this third episode of Loki is it did feel like all of a sudden the character was kind of being, like, a little more heroic. Like, the character mm, cared okay. suddenly about the people that might be killed if they, like, you know, power their the device that will save them by, like, depowering the thing that will save everybody else. Like Right. But wasn't it, that their plan for a minute? It, well, it wasn't a plan, but he like he wasn't going to stop it. But he did. It was like, he yeah. was having sort of moral qualms where I was like, okay. "That's that's not the Loki yet. <laughs> that's um, not 2012 Loki." 
and granted, he has like seen the th- like the things that happen during Ragnarok is a big part mm. of what makes the other version of Loki change. Yeah, and this Loki yeah. has seen and those, so maybe like it, it makes sense. Yeah. But to me, I'm so glad you brought up WandaVision because there's a there's another trope about this kind of redemption arc that I think is really problematic and also just boring that I think WandaVision did that I think also Loki did, which is the villain stops being a villain when a bigger, badder villain mm. shows up and our villain yeah. gets to help fight them, you know? Yeah. And, like, with Wanda, it felt like, okay, all of a sudden... You know, there's a cop who is quite literally intentionally shooting children and a witch who is, you know, hat twirling, uh, you know, in the most <laughs> yeah. possible way with yeah. a fantastic intro song. Let's be very clear. But it did feel in some people's opinion. Well, okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> but it did really feel like we were ne- Wanda never really came to terms with the incredible harm she caused. She did a bit. But she just was like, oh, well, but there's actually this now bigger thing. I'll help fight the bigger thing. And Monica's like, oh, you're fantastic. These people will never know. Right. That to me, it. we don't know where it's going to go yet. Like, I don't think we're at that point yet. But I don't love Loki coming into contact with someone who's like Loki, but worse. Because it feels like to me we're setting up that same dynamic of... Like, Sylvie's the one who makes Loki go, like, oh, no, I am i don't want to hurt people like that. Okay, I should be better. And mm. that doesn't feel... I was going to say the TVA. Okay, I mean, that's another... Well, I, like, to me, that would feel more earned in some ways, especially if there's kind of, like, a real journey he goes on there. Okay. This episode... It, it, and, yeah, it was only, like, a couple lines, but it just really felt to me like they were pushing the... Loki is having doubts because he sees just how bad Sylvie is. And that just is a, a redemption story I never want to be a part of. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I didn't quite have the same feelings in terms of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the whole series, though, I do feel a little bit like... In episode one, they kind of tried to sell us on the idea of like, oh, but he saw a file that showed all these experiences that he had in this other timeline. And so he's kind of caught up yeah. and it's like, eh, I don't know. Like real, like I feel like living those experiences would be, is a very different thing than just viewing them right. in like a few minutes. Right. It wasn't like he was in there for like 20 hours or whatever. Right. Especially since it's being presented as like one of many thousands of possible timelines. Right. Exactly. So what well, maybe isn't that presented as the, it's presented that, as the sacred timeline, but also, yes, in this way of like, ah, but, you know, timely, wibbly, wobbly stuff. Like, it, it did, right. to me, it doesn't have the same effect of, like, holding your mother's body as she dies, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And and so I, I definitely feel like um, this Loki hasn't necessarily... On the one hand, I feel like this Loki hasn't quite earned the being... Sort of... I don't know, being less villainous. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, I think Loki was maybe never at Loki's core like a villain in the way that a lot of villains are villains. I think Loki... Loki's like... I don't know. Like, I don't think Loki just like enjoys killing people. Right. I don't think Loki's really like malicious. I think Loki has daddy issues, basically. 
I, I think you're correct. And Big Brother issues. I, I definitely think you're correct. And um, like I recently rewatched the movie Thor, and and one thing that's so striking is how much like he's doing all this to like try and win his father's love, and like there's, the, I mean, it's Shakespearean and Freudian and like all the rest in great yeah. ways. I think though that it, in some ways it actually goes back to what we're saying about the TVA and like the mundanity of evil. You know, Thanos has a plan. I am going to kill half of all life because I'm bad at math. Uh, but we put it aside. Like, Thanos wants to kill half of humanity, half of all yeah. life. I think you're right that Loki doesn't like he doesn't want to kill humanity. He wants them all just to bow down to him, which is enslaving them also not cool um, right definitely not cool he definitely though does want to like completely obliterate uh jotunheim you know and like right. kill all the frost he wants frost giant genocide is very much his goal for sure he wants it because he wants to win his father's love and he thinks that will win him his father's love which by the way i think later watching thor ragnarok Oh, yeah. Knowing that Odin... Like, I now really want to know, did Loki know that about right. Odin? And that even more explains why he thought this would win his father's love. Yeah. But even putting that aside, to me, saying, well, he doesn't want to kill people. He just has no problem killing people if that's what he has to do to win his father's love. Yeah. That's not better. <laughs> like, it, it's not... Well, it, it it's different. And I think it is like... It's sociopath, not sadist. Yeah, I think that's right. Like, I think it's different. I think you can say that, like, some versions of sadism are worse or some versions of sociopathy are worse. Yeah. But it's not, to me, like, the people he killed in Manhattan are still just as dead. The Frost yeah, Giants yeah. who would have died are would still, you know, have just as died yeah, no yeah, matter yeah. what his motivation was. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's still not good. I think the wanting to destroy uh, Jotunheim is also a an element of kind of self -lo self loathing. I think it's very true. Like rejecting his own identity as right. a frost giant. Mm -hmm. Which you know, and I think that's a, you know, there definitely been, um, you know, in some like, some of the worst homophobes are often found out to be people who were like closeted. You know, some of the worst yeah. uh, uh, racists are folks who like have you know one grandparent of color and they've always been like teased right. about it or hated for it. You know, and and. Yeah. And yeah, so I think I think there's a real truth to that. That absolutely, I think the self-loathing is a huge part of it. But he's still killing a whole bunch of yeah, yeah, yeah. Beings. It doesn't make the dead people any less dead. Exactly, and that, that's kind of my yeah, point. Yeah, I think that's, for sure. I think that's the thing. Sure. It's like it's it's a different kind of thing, and and yeah. it's understandable. And we're like, oh God, Odin, what did you do? Yeah. But it's the like I'm it, it, to me, it's the flip side of the um, redemption thing. Is I also feel yeah. like being able to say like, oh. You killed all those people because your father didn't love you and your father was shitty to you. Like, that's also a horrible kind of redemption because it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, the old saying of like, hurt people hurt people. Right. I think a lot of abusers, and uh, Abby made a great comment about abusers that I'm going to get to in a bit because I think I, I, we didn't go quite as much into it as we probably should have. But, you know, like, there's often the stream of like, oh, well, you know, it's terrible that he hits you, but he grew up in a family where his father hit his mother, so it's what he learned. Like, that explains something. It does right. not excuse it in any way, shape, or Absolutely. form. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's relevant to the idea of where Loki is in terms of intentions. Yes. In terms of, like, you know, how how Loki could get from point A to point B. Because point A maybe isn't 
a particular thing. It's right. a different particular thing. Yeah. The harm, still the same harm, yeah. right? But just in terms of emotionally, uh, the emotional journey of the character. Right. I, L- Loki, to me, is the classic, like, narcissist of, it's not that he wants to hurt people, it's that the consequences of his actions are meaningless to him if it serves what he thinks is important in terms of, like, him and his father or him being the, the right. having a throne the way he thinks he belongs on and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the, the comment Abby wrote, and I think this is back when we were discussing the whole idea of, like, how the, you know, a person can just say they're sorry after doing terrible things and everyone forgives them, uh, and that we, like, we hate it in stories, but we also know what happens in real life. Um, Abby wrote, despite happening in real life very frequently, those stories of forgiveness of atrocity after an apology are hard to believe, which makes it even more difficult for people to get help when in abusive situations. Um, and then Abby points mm-hmm. out that one uh, uh, shares the National Domestic Violence Support Line, uh, 1-800-799-7233. And I think certainly, um, I, you know, we're not trying to give psychiatric or psychological advice here, but certainly if... Anything we're saying is, you know, for some people making them go, oh, wait, actually, there's a thing that maybe I've been too forgiving of. Please call that number. Please. There's other numbers you can find if it's in terms of parental issues, stuff like that. Because, yeah, I mean, even when we were having that conversation, I, you know, none of my romantic relationships have gone to what I would call an abusive level of that sort. But, Paul, I think there's a number of times where I spent a lot of time with you saying, like, oh, this person is treating me terribly. This person treating me terribly. Oh, they apologize. It's going to be fine now, Paul. I promise, you know. And <laughs> in the one situation that has been abusive in my life with my father, that certainly did happen. And there were a couple of times where I wanted to believe that. And so I think that's, uh, yeah, Abby, thank you so much uh, for pointing that out because I think it is, it is a very real thing that happens, but because we don't want to believe it, like, you know, I was just kind of laughing at the idea of like, yeah, you were probably like rolling your eyes when I said it. But that's the whole thing is that, you know, when people are, like, dealing with that kind of abuse, they know that, like, they so badly want to believe this person has changed, but they know no one's going to yeah. believe them if they say it, so they just stop telling anybody about it. And Right. Yeah. And that's kind of a tangent from the show, but I think a very important, like, if we're going to get into that that part of the dynamic, a very important part point. Absolutely. Yeah, no, into. I think it's an important point. I'm, For sure. I'm glad Abby brought it up. So I think... Um, so yeah, I, I think that I think I'm very curious to see where Loki's going to go with this. I definitely think we're going to get some version of kind of a heroic Loki towards the end. In still a very mis- like <laughs> crossing the streams back to Star Wars. <laughs> I I kind of want Loki to go from Cad Bane to Hondo. Okay. You know, like okay. Cad Bane is just straight up villain. Deep cut. Uh, Hondo is the lovable mischievous person who like. Almost every episode that he's in is a character from Star Wars. He will start out with, like, an evil plan to totally wreck your life. You'll catch him. He'll be like, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let's actually work together to deal with this bigger problem. And you trust him, and he does help you with the bigger problem. But then in a kind of a Lucy and Charlie Brown in the football way, Hondo's at the end like, ah, but, you know, pirate. And still, like, you know, steals, right. steals your stuff. Um, <laughs> nice Pirates of the Caribbean reference <laughs> like, there. Hondo is very much in that same realm. And yeah. I feel like that's what we're going to get kind of Loki towards is like, yeah, he sees the TVA is awful. He wants to help take them down. Maybe he realizes he and Sylvie are more on the same page. Maybe he's like, Sylvie is kind of awful. She needs to be taken down. But he's still going to steal the Tesseract if he gets a chance, you know, like that. Right. That's kind of where I, I think he can wind up. Yeah. I mean, that feels a little bit like uh, Ragnarok Loki to me. Yeah. To some extent. And the 
Uh, I hated Infinity War so much. I know <laughs> most most people. I'm I'm in the small minority of of people who like a ton of Marvel stuff and liked neither Infinity War nor Agatha Harkness. But that's fair. <laughs> but um, it one of the things that I just like they lost me right in the beginning. I'm like. You just killed Loki? Like, no, thanks. Like, it felt to me like it made Ragnarok just, like, irrelevant. Yeah. Um, which I know it doesn't really, but, like, it felt that way. And it does to an extent. And, and like, I really liked to see where Loki would go after that. And instead, we get this Loki, which, you know, that's cool. But it feels like, but this Loki hasn't done those other things and had those other experiences. And I think there's an extent to which, like either the writers kind of can't get that evolution of Loki out of their minds Mm -hmm. or they don't trust us to have done that. Mm. And so they think that we're going to kind of buy that this Loki gets to that point a lot faster than that Loki did. Yeah. I I think that makes sense. Um, I had a lot of the same feel. I liked Infinity War quite a lot more than you did, Mm -hmm. but I did have some of that feeling, especially with Loki that kind of erased that. And not to get back into that, I think there are some clues about that maybe this, that maybe he wasn't actually dead or like various things like that. Sure. My my guess was, you know, as far as we understand, like there was like twenty million more hours of Infinity War and Endgame footage that didn't make it into the movies. Right. I'm right. not going to call for the director's cut, although it'll be better than <laughs> Zack Snyder's. Um, but low bar. I think it's entirely possible that 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 there was more to Loki's story and it got left on the cutting room floor. And so I like what you're saying, that maybe they were like, okay, we didn't get to really do that story then, let's do that story now. Oh, interesting. You know, but yeah, I mean, like, there's an extent to which I'm here for the time variant story. Mm -hmm. I would have totally been okay with a story where Loki's more like Dexter, you know? He's not having a hero turn or or even like a Breaking Bad, you know, but not him coming to an end. Just like Loki being... Because, again, it's mischief, not evil. But it's mischief mm, yeah, without yeah. caring about the damage it does. And Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I think it's wide open. And we'll just see where, see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, one, one complaint I have about, like, villain-led shows and movies is they almost always just put them up against a bigger villain or another villain. Right. And then just make them a hero. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's the whole, like, like, the Agatha Heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like... How about we just see a villain villain, yeah. you know, like be, just be a, do your villain thing, you know, just do your thing. Um, but I get it. Like maybe they think that wouldn't appeal to as many people. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think Dexter did okay. Yeah. You know, although, I mean, Dexter of course was actually up against other villains and that was kind of the whole premise of the show. Right. But, but, but I know. think that they did it in a good way of saying like with Dexter, it was, he has this urge and he is. I mean, to me, Dexter is a pro example of, like, good and evil doesn't really make any sense. Like, it's not... But right. he has antisocial tendencies. He has <laughs> yes. tendencies that... Extreme antisocial As a society, tendencies. it would be better if people do not have, and when people have, it is a bad thing. Right. But he learns to direct it in a way where... To me, Loki's kind of fantasy... Uh, sorry, Dexter is kind of fantasy fulfillment of, like... Sure. You know, I, I was thinking about this... We were talking about this recently with someone where... um. Here in Minnesota, uh, we just had Derek Chauvin sentenced uh, to 22 years in prison. And it's a long time. It could have been a lot longer. And I think a lot of folks have a lot of feelings about that. I certainly wish it had been a lot longer. But that, even putting that aside, it got me, you know, some folks were saying, like, yeah, he should have just been killed. Like, that's what he deserves. And I'm very anti the death penalty. And someone asked me, like, uh, was asking about this. He was like, 
do you really not want to have Derek Chauvin die? And my response was, of course I want to see Derek Chauvin dead. There's a part of me that is like, this man is so evil and terrible. I want to see him dead. I think that part of me that wants to see him dead is not me at my best and is not what we should build systems of government and law and justice on. And the whole point is actually to move away from those kind of feelings. But like, if someone makes like, you know, but I think there is that part of me that'd be like, yeah. And I hope they take good care of him in prison. I don't want to see something bad happen to him. If he gets killed in prison, probably gonna be a part of me that's like, good, that happy about that. And I'm gonna hate that part of me, but there's a part, to me, Dexter is that. Dexter is that like, I know that I don't want to live in a world where people who do terrible things are killed. But there's a base part of me that kind of wants to, and I and Dexter lets me get to see that, and that's just yeah, yeah, it was fantastic, for sure, yeah, yeah, and like I don't want them to be killed by the state, but if it's some, you know, I mean, I guess he works for the state, but it it's it feels a little different. To it's me, extracurricular but... activities. He's not you know? exactly, exactly. That's not that's not what the salary is paying for. Exactly. No, I, I I hear you on all that. Um, and and at some point we we should do under the red hood. And yeah. or death in the family because that is very germane to this particular conversation. Definitely. Um, in in terms of, I, like, I wonder if Loki is that for some people, mm-hmm. right? Like, I would imagine, yeah. right? The the sort of mischievous, like, I mean, a lot of it isn't mischievous. It's like I want to genocide my <laughs> my own planet yeah. and enslave the Earth. So, like, mischief. Uh, although they called that in that episode one, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, Mobius is like. He's like, you know, that's, he's like, doesn't seem very mischievous to me. Like, yeah. I thought you're the god of mischief. Like, you know, and it might be fun to see him a little more mischievous and less genocidal. Right. A little less genocide, a little more mischief. And, and this does actually, uh, it's a thought that has come to mind a lot for me. And I am not an expert in Norse mythology. And so if any of our listeners are, please write in. Or, or experts in, like, uh, mythological tropes. Because I know that Loki is often considered part of the, um, you know, the trickster god trope, you know, mm. alongside gods like Coyote or, 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 or Coyote's a god, like spiritual entities, di- deities, right. how you define them, like, um, you know, uh, Hermes or um, uh, Coyote or, or like all these other figures from history, uh, from mythology. With many of them, though, the idea is that the person's going to play tricks on you and is going to do mischief. In order to help you learn a lesson or to help everyone, you know, it's the kind of like, you know, make the the rich man fall on his face so that everyone can see like he's just like anyone else, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And like often there's a sense of like, yeah, I'm going to cause a lot of harm doing it, but there's some sort of overall good. The character of Loki has never had that, has never had like, he's not. No. I think on some level he wants Thor to realize that he's a bit of an arrogant ass. Yeah. But the fact that like the first movie, Loki's trick causes Thor to go on his like journey and, and find his like become worthy. Some trickster gods might've wanted that. Loki didn't want that. No, and, that was not Loki's agenda. And I'm wondering, I haven't seen enough of the mythology. I'm wondering if Loki in the mythology is more in that kind of trickster God uh, trope. So for uh, Paul, I don't know if you're an expert on this, but, it, but anyone else is, if you are, certainly speak up, but uh, for any of our listeners, would love for you to write in and, and talk about that. If, if it's something you know about, because I'm just generally curious. Yeah, I'm not an expert on North mythology, uh, Norse, <laughs> North mythology. Um, I did have, you know, the, the deities and demigods or whatever in, in D&D. Yeah. So I was familiar with the, the names and like how many 
um, you know, hit dice like different <laughs> the, the 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 eight legged steed had and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, not uh, I, I'm very curious uh, to the answer to your question. So if anybody yeah. knows that, please write in. Yeah. Maybe we'll do another feedback episode. Hopefully soon. Uh, and so we'll get to how to give feedback in just a second. But uh, Paul, any kind of last comments you wanted to make before we start to wrap up? Uh, no, I think we mostly covered, um, my, my list of bullet points. Let's see, is there anything stray? Um, oh yeah, here's just one, here's one kind of just like hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Um, if everybody is already like supposed to die in an apocalypse, does killing them matter at all? You know, it, it is a question that the MCU has flirted with a bunch, but has never really gotten fully into, um, to me, one of the best examples of this, I thought, was in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where they had the framework. And there's this whole question of, like, okay, we've created oh, a virtual yeah. reality, and we've created virtual reality people. Mm-hmm. And so you can even be like, oh, they're not real. But these people have, the, these entities of artificial intelligence have sentience. They have existence. Yeah. And so turning off the virtual reality is killing them. Yeah. Similarly, like, you know, the, the WandaVision stuff, like it's kind of in the reverse, but like there also is now like new entities and stuff like that. I definitely feel like this is raising a similar question, you know, of because, yeah, on one level, like the TVA is committing genocide every single time they sweat, they snipe off a timeline because that is a whole bunch of sentient people whose existences are being brought to an end. Yep. Um, and I think it kind of—I think your question kind of goes back to the the thing I was saying at the beginning, which is, oh, and also I would say the blip also brings up this question because, like, one thing I've seen a lot of people saying is like, the whole problem with with Falcon the Winter Soldier, but with all these things, is that Tony was selfish because Tony should have just said, "Let's redo the snap and literally go back in time so that none of that mm. happened." Right. In which case, Tony's daughter dies, like she never existed. Right. And yeah, everybody who at that yeah, yeah that's all the children yeah. who were born in that time, their lives are ended, and yeah, and, and I guess I guess to me the way I see it, and let me know what your thought is, is the reason I don't ever want a group like the TVA, and why I don't like a lot of time travel that has an idea of like a right timeline is, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone ever gets to decide that like this timeline should exist which means all these other people get wiped out of existence or this other time I should exist. Like none of us should make that decision. Like right. once people are alive in any timeline in any dimension, they're alive. Yeah. And like that, that should be what, what is. Yeah, I agree. I think what they should have done is they actually probably should go back and just create another timeline where all those people don't get blipped out. Mm-hmm. And then time proceeds from there. But meanwhile, the other timeline could proceed on its own right so everybody did go through that trauma but new people were born people survived those people are alive and you leave them alone and then you go and make another branch where everybody else gets to survive and yeah they died in the one timeline but then they still exist i don't know yeah it's, I, uh, yeah this is where we shift from ethics into metaphysics and i think it's, just, right, it's very exactly. like only six <laughs> angels can dance on the head of that pin well yeah i mean it's like in star trek don't they kill you in order to beam you up that is one definition of it, yes. That that. I mean, I think that, right? And then they create a duplicate of you? I think the essence is... But they could leave you where you were, and they could just create a duplicate anyway, I, I think. I, I think the way it's supposed to be is that there's sort of like only one version of your 
would someone call a soul what in the very scientific world of Star Trek is a consciousness? And like you can't oh. duplicate that. That's actually sort of being oh. teleported. The okay. science. I don't. I mean. All right. It, All right. It was a scientific. I, I see consciousness as a you know function of the, of the electrical impulses in the brain, but right. people have different theories. It, 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 it was a technological advancement created because they couldn't pay to show a shuttle landing in every episode. So like, <laughs> take that for fair, what it fair, is. Fair, fair, um, <laughs> So I think now is a good place to start wrapping up. Um, thank you to everybody who's been in the Twitch, uh, asking questions, making comments. It's been great. As I said, we're going to try and do this fairly often at eight p.m on uh sunday nights and then go into my poker and podcast where i play poker talk about poker but also talk about these kind of ethical star wars loki issues i'm also doing that podcast at 1 i'm sorry at 1 p.m central on tuesdays and thursdays that's gonna be more regular the, the sunday podcast will be hopefully probably two or three sundays a month but we'll let people know uh but a lot of the, pod, the streaming i'm doing is because paul's also been doing a lot of streaming and i'm kind of coordinating with that and especially i'm learning a lot of uh, poker from paul paul where can people find you on stream uh, Zen Madman on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Zen Madman. Uh, give a follow. You can even subscribe now. Give me some of your Bezos bucks. Yes. Uh, it's free if you have Prime. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's been fun. I, I stream every morning at, I guess, 10 Pacific or noon for Panda time, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Central time. Somehow the pandas all, all talk in Central. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And uh, you don't have to really know much about poker. You can just stop by and say, hey. Yeah. And uh, at some point, I'll do some just chatting kind of things and, awesome. and other stuff. But right now, it's mostly poker. Yeah, definitely. Uh, please give me a follow, but definitely give Paul a follow as well. And I think both of us are really trying to figure out what we're doing with our streams. So if you've got feedback, if you've got thoughts, definitely let us know. You can find Paul uh, where he said at, at Zed Madman. It's also on Twitter and places like that. For me, uh, everything I do is under the name Ethical Panda, The Ethical Panda. You can uh, find me on Twitch, uh, on Twitch, on uh, Twitter on Facebook at The Ethical Panda. You can email me at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. And of course, if you go to theethicalpanda.com, there you'll find all the episodes of this podcast, of my Star Wars podcast, uh, and other podcast stuff that I'm doing. These podcasts are proud members of the Stranded Panda uh, podcast network. Definitely check those out as well at strandedpanda.com. MCU cast is doing great stuff on Loki. They're going to much more depth than we did every episode. It's a lot of fun. They're live watches and uh, everything is being streamed. Check all that out. Animation Deliberation has been doing uh, some of their own coverage of Bad Batch, which I'm really excited to check out. They're getting into Young Justice, the TV show. There's just so much great stuff happening on the uh, that pan- that podcast network. Check it out. Hopefully now, uh, maybe you're going out more. Maybe you're driving more. Maybe you're actually going back to work or whatever it is. If you got more time to listen, check out some of these other great podcasts. So I'm going to have a Paul and myself. Thank you, everybody. It's been a great lit. Thank you so much to everyone, and have a good day. May the Lokis be with you. Somewhere Ashley Coffin (laughs) just got very happy.